Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Nothing personal word of the day is 420 on 420. Welcome to Wednesday, the 20th of April, otherwise known as Woody Harrelson's favorite day of the year. A lot of people's favorite day of the year. Today's the day, apparently. Every day is the day you're supposed to get stoned. But on April 20th, you're supposed to be stoned all day. It's sort of like Passover for stoners. Why that there's four questions that are asked during a Passover Seder. Why is this day different than all the other days? Well, on this day, we recline. On this day, we eat unleavened bread, which is matzah, because the Jews did not have time for it to rise, the bread. They had to get out of Egypt, get out of slavery. So you end up with matzah. Why is this day different than all other days? On this day, we are high all day long, Lionel Richie. On other days, we just get high at 4.20 p.m. That's really what today is. So if you're speaking to people, if you're walking down the street and you smell that little waft of vape, then you know that that's somebody who is celebrating what has become known as a holiday. And I did some research into this. For those who don't know the provenance, the history of April 20th, join the club. Nobody knows. There is no true story out there. There are theories. There are people who will go to the grave defending the position they have of why 420 happened, whether it was Waldo family, whether it was the Grateful Dead, whether it was some sort of strain, whether it's the number of ingredients in THC. All of it is horse hockey. The fact is, it is a hallmark holiday. It's just a day picked out of thin air for the most part that has taken on a whole new level of meaning because so many people get high right now because now it is barely tested anymore in the big leagues, in any sports. Everybody's doing it. Parents are saying, hey, kids, I'd rather you do that than drink. It's healthier for you than drinking. I have not found it to be a gateway to anything in my vast experience all the things that you're taught as a kid in in sex ed and in in science don't ever don't do drugs nancy reagan said don't do them because all of a sudden you're gonna have a needle in your arm not sure that's exactly how it goes down but all of that said have you noticed if you're on the east coast that the day after april 20th april 21st april 21st (laughs) i swear to you i'm not high in any way I'm tired, but I'm not high. I'm high on life. Do you like when people say that? Like if you've ever been high and someone says to you, hey, how you doing? I'm high. Oh, you're stoned right now? No, no. I'm high on life. (laughs) 
I never really understood what that meant. Like, oh my golly, everything's going so great. I feel high. Have you ever been high? No. Well, how do you know how it feels? Well, it has to feel the way I feel now. Well, I can tell you I've been high and I've been happy and I've been high on life. There's a pretty big difference. Because I can put three sentences together to make a paragraph and I'm not currently eating Triscuits. That's a big difference. So tomorrow, April 21st, New Jersey is added to the list of states where you can buy weed. Now, if you've ever been to Colorado or other states where recreational weed is legal, you know that the stores pop up sort of like rats when the lights come out. They run away, and then before you know it, the lights go down, and then you look around, and you're just like, wow, those rats are as big as raccoons. And then you say, I'm in New York City. Can you imagine how many stores are going to be right over the bridge, like in Hoboken, right in Jersey City? The number of people are going to just drive across the bridge, go get recreational, because why wouldn't you? In New York, they're not arresting you anymore for getting stoned. People are getting stoned all up and down the street. You can buy all sorts of leaf, all sorts of anything you want, oil. There is huge arguments I could make for why this is helpful from a tax revenue standpoint, from a health standpoint, from a crime standpoint. Are there things that happen? Denver is a great example where when you legalize weed, there is certainly a level of attention brought to that community, to that state. But then everyone sort of calms down. So the equivalent to me is when you get a toy at Christmas when you were young and you play with that toy all day, every day, right after Christmas or Hanukkah. You're so excited, like a, like a model car or a doll, if, anything. And it can be William who got the doll. It doesn't matter. And then after a week or two weeks or three weeks, you're like, eh, oh, you see it again and you have a, you know, reunited. It feels good. You play, play with it again and then that's it. Then again, and then you put it away, you put it in a box, once in a while you take it out on special occasions. Hey, would you like to see my doll? That's sort of what happens with weed when things become legal. The excitement in the beginning is let's get as much as we can, as quickly as we can. Let's do it all the time. Let's have parties. Let's not go to work. And then it sort of regulates. I think that's what you're going to see. And you're going to see it across state lines. Because whatever the number of states is, coca right now where you can buy recreational marijuana, it's going to be at... 50, red states, blue states, doesn't matter. It is going to be there because of money. And that's what you're going to see in sports. Because there was a time not very long ago when you would watch a baseball game and you would see huge signs with the big Marlboro man. Marlboro was a huge sponsor in Major League Baseball. You'd see Winston commercials, the Marlboro man commercials during games. And then all of a sudden that stopped. And there was a pretty good amount of time that passed. And then baseball owners said, well, wait, wait one second here. What about gambling? We're not allowed to make money from gambling. That's ridiculous. Everybody's doing it. So let's take advantage. And we used to have to sneak gambling ads, get permission from baseball, pretend we got permission just to have some Native American tribes do a little tiny sponsorship where you couldn't see it on direct camera, but it was in the stadium, but not on the first base camera or third base camera or center field camera eye. Now, gambling is so pervasive that there's revenue to be made everywhere. So I think there's going to come a time when the teams are going to have to embrace these companies who make weed. All these different companies, that they, they're just, they grow it, they sell it because they're gonna have money. And once they've got money, they're gonna wanna get more money. 
That's what you look for in a sponsor, right? You've got money. That's the key. If you have no money, then you don't want them to be a sponsor because you're not interested in helping them sort of build their business. You're helping take an established business and say, if you associate with us, we can grow your business. But establishing, no, no, because we need you to pay. And doing this, the whole thing with the cryptos, right? All of a sudden you do a crypto deal and then the crypto company disappears. You really haven't succeeded, which is one of the big concerns in LA with the new Staples Center. But for an established brand, an established sort of revenue stream, you wanna take it and make it bigger. So once it gets past 18 states, which is what the number is now of recreational sort of legal marijuana, it's going to obviously keep growing. So I'm gonna say that if the market is 15 billion in 2021, there is gonna be a tripling of that market in the next five years at most. And the number of states is gonna go from 18 to into the 30s in the next five years. And we're gonna start seeing ads for weed. It's just gonna become a thing. Just like cigarettes came and went, weed was never here, now it is. Revenue, that is what teams want. There is no greater example of teams looking at any way they can to raise revenue than by finally realizing, finally, that NASCAR is cool. F1 is cool. And what do you think of when you think of NASCAR? The first thing that I think of as someone who is in business is, wow, they are totally shameless and awesomely cool with putting company names all over their jerseys. And yet these four major sports were like, we don't want to do that. That doesn't seem to fit with our pristine view of our on-field image. And then they started to change their minds. Baseball, as usual, was a little late to the party, but party they shall. And you had an important question about that fact. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. You knew we were going to have this segment today. So you want to talk to Samson. Today is the day when you get 24 24th baked. You go to your streaming service and you watch a movie called Half Baked. And you celebrate the original humor, the interesting storyline, and you look for the character named Samson who's in the movie Half Baked. And everybody wants to talk to him. So. Get into my DMs at David P. Sampson on Twitter, Instagram, mostly Twitter, because I don't remember every day how to check Instagram DMs, but Twitter I do. And get a question in there. It may make the show. I'm a little behind, Coca. The blue has become overwhelming. The Padres have a top payroll and now just announced a jersey sponsor. Can a small market ever become a big market? I love this question in two different ways. Number one, on nothing personal, we do not refer to a market as a large market or a small market team. We refer to teams as large revenue or small revenue teams. There is no way for a small market to ever become a large market. Or conversely, a large market will not become a small market. However, a large market can have a low revenue team and a small market can have a high revenue team. And where you are in the revenue pecking order in baseball, that is the differentiating factor in where your payroll is. 
Now, it's very, very different when there is a cap sport like basketball or football, where Green Bay is a small market team with large revenue, high revenue. Buffalo, a small market team with high revenue. Wait a minute. It just occurred to me. Revenue in football, the band of revenue around football is smaller than other sports. The band of payroll difference in football is smaller than other sports because they've got a cap and a floor. Which is why baseball has always said to the union, how about a cap and a floor? We're in. We'll do it. And the union always said, no, no, because we like having the outliers. It's way better to have the teams going to 280, 290, 300. But then the teams like the Marlins, the Guardians, the Royals, and I could name 10 other teams with low revenue whose payrolls are so low that in order for them to compete, they have to get lucky and their window to compete gets smaller. So baseball, acknowledging the fact they can't get a cap and a floor, what they're trying to do is get low revenue teams to get more revenue. Here's a shocking note. Every team is trying to get more revenue. Whether you are the Marlins or the Yankees, you are looking for ways to always get and therefore make more money. Always. MLB in the last collective bargaining agreement negotiated the right to have jersey sponsors, helmet sponsors. Hmm. Well, the players knew this was coming. The players' hope is that teams will get sponsors, meaning their revenues will increase and therefore payrolls will increase in lockstep. But one of the great fights of the lockout is that if you don't tie payroll to revenue, there's no way to guarantee that teams increased revenue will go to payroll because teams increased revenue and increased profitability could go to pay off debt. It could go to outside interests like trying to buy Chelsea. There are myriad places that extra money can go. But when you've got a tied system, the incentive for increased revenue, players want that. They want to be helpful. They want to make more appearances on behalf of the team. They want to do more commercials. They want to help out sponsored brands. They want to help you get more season ticket holders, more suite holders. They want to be helpful because they know they've got not just a seat at the table. They own part of the damn chair. In baseball, it is not that way. While the Padres are an example of a owner who has never won a ring, who is desperate to win a ring, desperate to fill Petco Park, desperate to be relevant, desperate to give the finger to his partners in Los Angeles, the Padres have been acting like a high-revenue team in a small market for a couple of years now, and they continue to act like it, but they made what I believe is a huge strategic mistake. They announced a sponsor deal with Motorola yesterday. They got Blake Snell and Fernando Tatis, ironically, or Manny Machado, I think, and Blake Snell to model the new jerseys. God, if you knew what it took, side note, Coca, when we modeled the new Marlins jerseys on November 11th, 2011, with a concert by Pitbull and a reveal of a new, new team name and a new jersey name, we had to beg players to come be a part of it because it's off season. They don't want to be bothered because they're busy, right? They're busy living their lives because during the season they can't. But luckily we were in Miami where so many players are to begin with. So if you go back and look at that day, the players we had were players who live in Miami during the off season. 
when you do something during the season, the players are around and you just say, hey, Manny, we gave you $300 million. Put on the damn new uniform and let us take some pictures. Hey, Blake, we pay you not to pitch. Get over here. Put on the new jersey. Show off the M for Motorola. Why is it a mistake for the Padres to go early? Because the incremental increase in revenue only helps you as a low revenue team increase your payroll and therefore your competitiveness if it can close the gap on your higher revenue brethren. But now that San Diego set the market, what do you think the Dodgers are going to get? It's like when players are deciding in what order to sign, you'd be surprised the amount of structure that goes into this from the union standpoint. They collude. We're not allowed to collude, but they, we, that's a dollar fine, Coca. They are allowed to collude the other side because they organize who's going to sign first when so markets can be set to the advantage of the players. Baseball is no different when you're cutting deals that are going to be league-wide. Central Baseball cuts those deals. They've got salespeople who sell, led by Noah Garden, a terrific, terrific man and salesperson and executive. You've got him going out to get national deals. So when you see commercials, Lysol, the official brand of of whatever, Major League Baseball, or the official cleaning product, I saw that one yesterday, or Loan Depot, the official loaning institution of Major League Baseball, plus we'll give a naming rights deal to one of the teams. So a national deal like that gets split up 30 ways. So there's complete revenue sharing with any national deals. But local deals are kept by the team, but it counts toward their local revenue, which then counts into their equation of whether or not they give revenue sharing, and if so, how much, whether they get revenue sharing, and if so, how much. And the math that I've gone over with you is that when you get a dollar of revenue and you are a revenue sharing payor, meaning you support other teams, when you increase your revenue by a dollar, you only give away 33 cents of that dollar, so you're collecting 66 cents. So every dollar you raise, 66 cents in your pocket. When you get revenue sharing, when you, when you raise a dollar of revenue, that goes into your pot, you are losing 66 cents. So often there is a misincentive, a malincentive. What's the right word, Coca? Disincentive is the word for some teams to increase revenue, but they still do because I always said 33 cents is better than no cents. I would round it up and say, hey, we're keeping half a dollar. So let's get out there and sell more tickets and sell more sponsors. But we don't want to be first in a new category like helmet sponsors and jersey sponsors because we're going to slot in below the larger markets. See, jersey sponsors are not about your revenue. They're not about your payroll. They're about your market size. So there are people and companies who will want to be on Miami Marlins jerseys, not because they have the lowest attendance in the league or just above Oakland or whatever the case may be, but because when Miami plays all the teams, which they do, and when they get the TV exposure that they do in all the other cities, those marks on their jerseys, they're like traveling billboards. Because remember, when the Marlins play the Mets, you've got all of New York watching. So it's not going to be a local Miami you know, plumbing shop you are going to have a national brand or an international brand who's going to be on all these teams' jerseys, and teams are going to get paid according to their actual market size. When you've got a situation like that, you always want to get the top done first if you're Major League Baseball, and here's why. 
the Padres getting Motorola on their jersey, that's only helpful if they get a disproportionately high number as compared to what the Dodgers get, as an example. But if they get $5 million a year for Motorola to be on their jerseys, and the Lakers look at that and they say, hey, we're hiring a company, which they announced yesterday, we're going to get jersey sponsors, and by the way, we're also going to sell the naming rights to Dodger Stadium, but they're going to make up something so they don't upset their fans. Get ready for that, Coca. This is what a team does when they feel like they're mat, mat, masked, wet, wafed, covered in tradition. I can't think of the right word right now. They're going to say, we didn't change the name of Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium is elite. We would never change the name of Yankee Stadium. It's got to be called Yankee Stadium. But you could sell presenting rights. So the Dodgers are saying, welcome to Dodger Stadium presented by... Tom, Dick, and Harry. Yes, Tom, Dick, and Harry paid us $15 million a year. But, folks, it's still Dodger Stadium. We didn't name it CryptoCom Park or FTX Field. We are Dodger Stadium presented by I Am the Crypto King. There are always ways to get around. There's always ways to rationalize. But if you're the Padres, you want to stay to the sidelines. You want to see what CryptoCom or whoever else gives to the Dodgers because then you go to Motorola and say, listen, I thought we were only worth $5 million. The Dodgers got 20 That means we're worth 11 because you look at the math and you look at where you slot. And the problem is the Dodgers are likely upset with the Padres deal for Motorola because now a company will look at the Padres and say, hey, they're only at five. You're better than they are, but you're not at 20. You're maybe at nine or 10. And so that can limit what the Dodgers can get. So there's a lot of back and forth that goes on, and it is going to be fascinating to watch. But I'll tell you right now, small markets do not become big markets. doesn't happen. And the Padres, along with the other 29 teams, are going to be selling jersey sponsors, and there will be 30 jersey sponsors next year. I promise you that because you do not want, you do not want to miss a year of that revenue. Counterpoint, why don't the Nationals have a stadium rights? A naming rights deal. And I told you that they want $20 million a year. They never got it, so they just kept it at Nationals Park. I agree. Could there be one team who says, I value my jersey sponsor at $20 million, and I'm not getting it, so I'm going jersey sponsor free? And the answer is no. Because a jersey sponsor is the equivalent of an outfield sign. You don't leave outfield signs empty. If you're not getting your rate, it means your rate is too high. You can hold out for a naming rights deal. Those are long-term deals. You don't want to change them a lot. They get a huge amount of attention. But if you're Motorola one year on your jersey, and then two years later they're done and you put on T-Mobile, no one cares. But you keep changing the name of your park, which plenty of teams do, and owners are frustrated by that. Fans are frustrated by that. Okay. Let's, let's go to break. We're going to review a movie and then we're going to do the public financing discussion because as many of you may know, there's been a little bit of activity here in the Miami front on public financing the last day with the release of a mini documentary by Billy Corbin that had a strange voice that sounded a little bit like this one narrating a spot. But first, we're going to review all the old knives when we come back. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? 
if the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Today's April 20th. I hope that you are smiling, giggling, laughing, watching Half-Baked. Maybe let it ride. That's a good one. Fletch. Up in Smoke. We should do a top five movies to watch on 420, Coke. I can't believe we missed that. Why aren't we doing it? All right, top five movies. I'm not going to review all the old knives. This is live, and I'm going to do something that I don't do that Coca gets angry, but here it goes. Off the top of my head, the top five movies, let's put it in, Coca, put it in. The top five movies you should watch on April 20th. Number five, Pineapple Express. Pineapple Express is a very, very funny movie with James Franco. I understand that he's canceled now, but believe me, you will be happy watching Pineapple Express. Number four, Cheech and Chong's Nice Dreams. Not up in smoke, Nice Dreams, because it has one scene in there that is simply the number one scene. I could do top five scenes, but I believe is the number one scene. Cheech and Chong's Nice Dreams, number four. Number three, (laughs) I have to do it. Just be okay with it because it is a different type of feeling when you are stoned. Inception. I would say any movie by, oh God, Coco, what's his name? The Memento guy, Memento. Christopher Nolan. Any movie by Christopher Nolan is a movie that you should watch stoned, but the number one of all of them is Inception because you sit there and you say, well, wait a minute, what that, okay, is he, which, which level is he in? Because I'm feeling like I'm level seven. We got to pause it. I need some Doritos. And then you come back and you're like, wait a minute, that's level three, right? Inception, number three. Number two, when you're sitting around and you're looking for a reason just to giggle, you just feel like something has a chance to be funny and you want to know, you have to watch an old movie and it's an old movie called Fletch. The reason why Fletch is important to watch both on 420 and then again on 421 after having watched it on 419 is that the level that you will get of jokes on 420 that you did not get on 419 is unbelievable more than any other movie ever. You have to pay attention and listen to every line. Fletch is the number two movie to watch on 420. And the number one movie, the number one stoner movie of all time Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Fast Times at Ridgemont High is a movie from 
the 80s maybe, the 70s, 80s. It is a movie starring Sean Penn way before all of his political involvement. Phoebe Cates. It has the number one scene. It has the number one laugh. Sean Penn is the number one stoner, period. And it will teach you a thing or two, Jennifer Jason Lee, And it stands up. Coco wants me to give you his top five, which I'm going to do. And by the way, Half-Baked can't be in it. That's the rule, because Half-Baked, we already know you have to watch today. Okay, number one, Dazed and Confused. Very good choice, Coco. Oh, that's your number five. Number five, Dazed and Confused. Coco's top five movies to watch on 420. Number four, Oh, I love number four, Savages. We've reviewed that on this. On this, I love Savages with, uh, uh, tell me, tell me the name, Selma Hayek and Blake Lively. That is a great movie. Number three, Super Troopers. Uh, Coca, I've not seen Super Troopers. So, do I put that on the list? Like, is that the movie I should watch? Today? I was going to watch the Batman. Number two of Coca's top five, Friday. I have no idea what that is. Is that a movie called Friday? Am I old or are you young? And the number one movie to watch on 420, if you are Matthew Coca, is a really, really funny movie that in theory could have made my list. How high? How do you say that? Is it how high or is it how high? That's a good list. All right, put all the old knives back. We'll review that tomorrow. If you haven't seen it, watch it tonight with Chris Pine and uh, Thandie Newton. I bet I'm mispronouncing her name, Coca. It is a uh, fascinating movie about two CIA operatives. It's called All the Old Knives, and we will review it tomorrow. Okay, this is the segment. It's time, so buckle up. We are about to have a discussion on public financing. There's been so much talk. I want to make several points, and I'm going to make them slowly, clearly, and in a particular order. Number one, Marlins Park was a public-private partnership that was funded by a tax that was neither levied nor increased and was generated from an existing source of tax revenue that comes from tourists. It was called the tourist development tax, the convention development tax, the hotel bed tax. Have you ever checked into a hotel and then you check out and you look at the rate and then you're like, holy crikeys, 1999. No, that's not for the Spectrovision movie. That's for, not for the on, on-site fees. That is your local tax and it's broken out, local, federal, city. It's like a paycheck. So your 299 rate becomes 360, so fast your head will spin. Marlins Park was a public-private partnership where the other owners were upset with that deal because they thought Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Marlins, put too much money into it, where other cities were putting way more into their buildings. There is a misunderstanding around Miami with Miamians because they did not like me or Jeffrey Loria, that somehow it was a bad deal. The reality of the Marlins Park deal is the people who did the deal did the best they could going up against me in the room. And I don't mean that in any sort of cocky way. I mean it because they didn't want the team to leave. 
and the team was going to leave. And when you know you've got that leverage, you're going to get a better deal. Everyone knew it. Well, yesterday, Billy Corbin released a two and a half minute mini documentary about another public financing deal going on in Miami for the MLS team owned by David, I will not bend over for you, Beckham and Jorge Mas. Jorge Mas was one of the people who wanted to buy the Marlins but did not have the funds to do it. He was the choice of us to buy the Marlins and of Rob Manford, but he couldn't close. He pivoted and went to a soccer team and partnered up with David Beckham. The history of MLS in Miami is an absolute storied history of crap. When the mayor of Miami wanted Marlins Park built on the land of the former Orange Bowl, his his vision was that an MLS soccer stadium would go there and it'd be a two-stadium sort of sports entertainment district down there in Miami. But Major League Soccer would never agree to a, a stadium. They could not figure out how to do a deal down there. It just didn't work. They gave the franchise to David Beckham years ago. It was celebrated. Do you remember when all the local politicians were genuflecting in Beckham's general direction? They were getting autographs and pictures. They were loving it. They were looking for Posh and Ginger. They were looking for the guy from, from uh, God damn, that would have been funnier if I had it off the top of my head. Christian Horner from Red Bull and his wife Ginger May were going to be there with Posh and whatever. Guess what? No deal ever happened. But now Jorge Mas and David Beckham are trying to do a deal in the city of Miami where they build a stadium right near the airport on a land called Mel Reese. Mel Reese is a huge area where there's a public golf park, uh, golf course. And what Billy Corbin is trying to do is raise awareness. And he used my voice and my mouth to help him raise awareness and help educate people as to why this deal is so bad for the city of Miami. And it is so bad. And so a video was created to explain to people who would have no way of knowing because so many of these things go on in the back rooms where no one's paying attention. But you put my voice to his script and you got yourself a viral video that's getting a ton of attention because the truth is that Miami is about to get screwed in a way that it has never been screwed before. And believe me, they're in line to get screwed, whether it's by sports teams, whether it's by corporations. Cities get screwed by for-profit businesses all the time because those cities don't want to lose those for-profit businesses. As I said on a recent taping of a show that'll come out next week, you think that companies don't get tax subsidies and public funding? You just don't read about it. You don't want to hear about it. It's going on wherever you live. Go to your downtown, take a look at any building that has somebody's name on the building, a law firm, a corporation, and just know that firm, that company got your tax money, your actual tax money and tax benefits to do business in your community. You are supporting. Guess what? Here in New York City, the, the tax that we spend, that we give into New York State, that's going to build an arena, a stadium for the Buffalo Bills. I'm not getting any benefit from the Buffalo Bills having a stadium. Zero. I could care less if the Buffalo Bills leave Buffalo. But New York State passed a budget giving $1.6 billion to get a deal and to get a stadium and to make sure the Bills do not leave Buffalo. Everywhere, folks. It is the most misunderstood concept. The Baltimore Orioles just got $1.2 billion 
1.2, the owners are the Angelos family who are independently wealthy from asbestos litigation and other such factors. The Lerner family, billionaire family in Washington got their park 100% publicly financed. The New York Yankees worth 5 billion, let's say, got their stadium paid for. They accept, they tell you, nah, we built that privately. Well, ask them one day if you see Hal Steinbrenner, what a payment in lieu of taxes is. A payment in lieu of taxes is called pilot for short. And what it means is that we are going to give you such a tax break that the money that we would have asked for you to pay in taxes, you can pay off the debt that you borrowed to build the stadium. Wow, that's super nice. Normally, you have to pay off your credit card debt and pay the government your taxes. I guess not. If you're the Yankees or the Mets, then you just have to pay off your debt and don't worry about the taxes. That's called public financing. Wait a minute. There's a billion dollars of public infrastructure, meaning pipes and sewage and electricity and everything else that's required to get this stadium operational. That doesn't count in the construction of the stadium. No problem. We'll pay for that. Woo, that's a public-private partnership. There are so many ways to hide it. There's so many ways to package it. And it's all done to try to manipulate you. And what I'm trying to do is bring attention to what these deals look like so you can decide. I am very much in favor of public financing because I believe that great cities need everything from operas to theaters to convention centers to sports facilities. That has always been my belief, having nothing to do with being the president of a major league baseball team. I loved going to cities on the road before I was in baseball. I was traveling with Morgan Stanley. I love being able to go to museums, to go to parks. I love being able to go to shows, local theater. It doesn't have to be Broadway in New York. Community theaters are supported by your government. Surprise, you go to a community theater, guess what? They're getting stipends. If not, they're going out of business. I want bike lanes. I want roads paved. My taxes are used for things that I want to use. They're also used for things that I know I won't use, but I understand why they are being used. Am I happy to pay for Buffalo Bills Stadium? No, but I get why. I'm not moving out of New York because of it. But what's going on in Miami is such mass confusion because trust me, I was the architect of mass confusion because I don't want fans to know anything. I wanted politicians to understand what we were doing and the local politicians wanted baseball because they didn't want to lose it, period. Do they feel the same about soccer? Maybe. That's a wait to see because if the Inter-Miami deal does get through the city commission in Miami, it is a huge victory for the owners of Inter-Miami, not because they're getting a soccer stadium, but because of what else is in the deal. It's a major real estate deal. Our Marlins Park deal was just a baseball stadium. We didn't get any of the land around it. In Inter-Miami, they're getting all of the land around the stadium. And it's all public land that could be sold to the highest bidder. So why is it that these stories continue to circulate? Oakland, they're getting into it right now. They're trying to get money from Vegas. Vegas is saying, we're not giving you money. The casinos are saying, we may give you money. Oakland is saying, we're not going to give you money. There's citizens who are suing to make sure that Oakland can't build where Oakland wants to build in Oakland. But now there are going to be people who are saying, you can't build where you want to build in Vegas. The A's 
are owned by a very wealthy man who is not going to build a stadium anywhere without public financing. That is the reality of how business is done. Hard stop, not just sports. What about the Carolina Panthers? Another unbelievable example in football of public money going into not even a stadium, but a practice facility, an $800 million practice facility where word came out yesterday that the Panthers are walking away from a construction site. They've invested $170 million into this. And the public financing that was supposed to start coming out of the faucet stopped. So the owner of the Panthers, David Tepper, said, guess what? We're done. There is now a back and forth going on in Carolina about whether or not the Panthers are in the right for having stopped, whether or not they'll continue to negotiate, which they will because there will not be a half-built building. It's not going to happen. You don't want that in your city. Then it begins to look like Flint. You need to make sure this practice facility gets built, and it's going to get built. But it is fascinating the back and forth that is going on, not just Miami, not just Baltimore, not just Oakland, not just Tampa, not just Carolina. The Arizona Diamondbacks are threatening right now because they want a new stadium. It's always, always going to be teams because it's a cycle there's going to be one two or three stadiums like Fenway Park or Wrigley Field where they just stay forever but the majority there will be new stadiums and it will be another new stadium Camden Yards is 30 years old it's time for them to get a new stadium Marlins Park has a lease for 38 years it's already in its 10th year 28 years from now, there's going to be a discussion on a new stadium somewhere in Miami. Maybe at the site of Marlins Park, maybe somewhere else. Maybe Marlins Park lasts 45 years or 48 years, but I doubt it. That is the cycle of economic life. So for all people who take positions on public financing, all I ask is that you do your homework and that you make sure you're consistent. Make sure that when you have a view against billionaires, it doesn't matter if they're billionaires or not because you may be totally wrong on who's a billionaire. Make sure you're understanding the products you're using. Make sure you understand the companies that you're engaging with in your local community and what benefits they're getting and what public money is going into their pockets from yours. Then if you want to make decisions on a case-by-case basis, I'm in. All I've ever asked on nothing personal and that's all I'm doing with this video that is circulating the internet now, is we have said, how about if you learn two sides, three sides to an issue, and then make an educated position. Take an educated position. Instead of just following the crazy mob, whether it's a Twitter mob or a non-Twitter mob or a bunch of people running down the street with their heads on fire, carrying torches, going after politicians or going after business people, Instead of following the mob, why not understand where you're following them to? What if you're following them to a back alley where they're just going to run out of space like the parade in Animal House? Or worse, what if you're following them right over a cliff? Too often now, in my mind, people are taking positions based on snippets of 280 characters, based on some sort of what they believe is an understanding. And the truth is... They have no idea what they're talking about. Frankly, they'd be better off. Frankly, they'd be way better off 
getting a job or hiring someone to do a job. That was terrible, Coca. I'm just going to do it, okay? These days, it can be really hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. That's true. People don't want to work. I don't know why that is. Huh. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. It is true. Everybody's on LinkedIn. You, Whatever position you're in, there are people on LinkedIn. You can find them. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Do you know that LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster? Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? It really is staggering, actually. So post your job. Everybody's hiring right now. If you're trying to find worthy candidates, those aren't going to quit that you're going to invest in, then they quit in two weeks. If you want to do it right, post your job right now at linkedin.com slash Samson. That's linkedin.com and be the first to do slash Samson to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply, although they don't apply if you took the Grizzlies minus seven over the Wolves last night. That was another easy win, 47 and 38. There's no way they were going down 0-2 to the Timberwolves. Wasn't going to happen. What about tonight? The Raptors are back home in Canada. It turns out the Sixers are not with their full team because not everyone's vaccinated. Is everyone paying attention when teams go play in Toronto? I mean, the mask mandate's done, which is a big relief to me that I do not have to wear a mask on a plane or on a train or in the subway, period. If other people want to wear a mask, wear a mask. I'm fully vaccinated. I'm fully boosted. Hey, if you're not vaccinated and boosted, that's your own problem. But you can't go to Canada. So take a look at the players who aren't, they go on the restricted list in baseball. It's pretty cool, right? The number of Oakland A's who couldn't go to play in Toronto. They don't get service time. They don't get pay. I wonder whether or not the Sixers player, what's his name? I'm totally forgetting. I want to say it was Sir Thaddeus something, but I, I'm totally blanking right now of the Sixers player who can't play tonight in Toronto. Will that make a big difference? And the answer is no. The Raptors are going to get a game. They've gotten blown out, and that's why the Sixers are favored to, I guess, sweep because they're going to be favored in game three. That means they're going to be favored in game four. But you're getting a point and a half. I am taking, if you don't mind, the Toronto Raptors couple of things from last night's games that I just want to mention before we go here, Coca, that fascinated me about the NBA playoffs. We gave you our conversation about the Miami Heat yesterday. Did you watch the Heat play? Did you watch the way that they win without a big three? Jimmy Butler took over that game. He scored 45 points. More players are scoring 40 or more points, 35 or more points. You're seeing records being broken. Total insanity. Jimmy Butler has the same number of 40-point playoff games as Miami Heat, as does LeBron James. It's outrageous. The game has totally changed to allow for offense, and offense is what you're seeing. The number of pure shooters, it makes me so angry that we didn't have any of these guys in 1994. If we would have had one of these shooters, not four of them, one of them, then we're beating the Houston Rockets and the Knicks have a world championship. You want to be an NBA player? It used to be you had to be tall and physical. Go to your backyard, go to your local gym and become the best three-point shooter ever. Make it so that you don't miss, that it's like shooting a layup. Do it with a hand in your face, do it coming off a pick. 
do it step back, just be able to shoot threes and you can be an NBA player. It's crazy. It's not even playoff basketball. But it is what it is. And we've got another game tonight. We've got several more games tonight. Celtics-Nets, I'm looking forward to watching that. But the pick of the day is Raptors plus one and a half. Any questions you have on the public financing and on the issues of public financing, I want to hear them because I want to make sure you left this show understanding the reality of why municipalities do what they do, where they get the money from, and whether or not that is money that is new tax, old tax, existing tax, increased tax. Are you paying for something you use, don't use? You're paying for a lot of things in your society, in your community that you don't use. You just don't even realize it. You want me to go into more detail about Inter-Miami? I'm happy to do it. But you can go out there and read if you live in Miami. Learn about the deal and then call your commissioner. You want to understand why what happened in Buffalo happened? You can read about it. It's all available, not like it used to be. Please. Public financing is not going away ever because it's just business. Relax, everybody. This is nothing personal. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.